Hey, I'm Kat Chaos. And I'm Liz Gomez, also known as Hazy. And you're listening to Scary, Scary Encounters, Encounters with Hazy Chaos. Chaos, a podcast where we talk to some of our favorite bands and artists as they share scary encounters they've experienced and live to tell. Hey, this is Talima. And I'm Mike. And, and we're, we're from, from Bite Me, Me Bambi. Bambi. And you're listening to Scary Encounters with Hazy Chaos. <laughs> all right so how are you guys doing we are great thanks for having us yes, yes thank Considering you so. we're great <laughs> yeah right how, how are you guys holding up during this pandemic we're good we're we're lucky everyone in our band and everything's been very healthy and we're very grateful for that and uh, we've just been trying to pump out as much content for everybody that we can we're, we're super lucky that we all live pretty close so we can bang stuff out like you know kind of team projects uh to get them done even though there's really really there's only like three people who really do all the work (laughs) okay calm down (laughs) so how are the rest of the members doing are how are you guys you know are you guys still practicing or maybe like virtual practices or no unfortunately because of the our practice space is very small so we can't all be in there together at the same time and uh zoom practices or practicing online is really hard because there's a lag in time so what we've been doing is recording a lot of demos so we want to get into the studio and record a new album um so like i'll record my part mike will record his part we all kind of pass it around until the Mm -hmm. demo is complete so then hopefully we'll be ready to get into the studio um as soon as we can get back to it i remember when when we first discovered you guys we were like what the fuck like they're fucking dope and we were out in um in riverside like venue hunting because we also do live events obviously you know that and we met up with another promoter i forget his name i wish i had i remembered his name but it was across the street from the mission tobacco yeah what back, to the grind? back to the grind yeah i cannot Trust remember me. his we, name we've been we've been in your show oh, we Ramana, Ramana. Jared. yes Jared. yes yeah, Jared. Yeah. that exactly what his name is jared yes and we brought up the scott scene and we brought up our friend Jackie Mendez, who's also in it as well. And he was like, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, he was like, fuck yeah, she's dope. She's the homie. But have you heard of Bite Me Bambi? And we were like, what? No. And oh, my God, we fell in love. And we were like, we have to fucking work with them. And that's why we hit you guys up. And we were so stoked that we connected right away. And, you know, we got you for Tunes and Booze in Costa Mesa. That was super fun. You guys dressed up as fucking Star Trek characters, right? Right. Yeah, Absolutely. Dude, speaking of that freaking shooting that happened that night, that was crazy. We apologize. It wasn't our fault, obviously, but we know your car was part of the yeah. damage done. So T-Bone, Selena's man's car and our trombone player, um, his car was hit. And uh, we're probably a good 100 feet away from the front door. Like We're pretty far from the front door this place. And only two cars get hit in the parking lot. Only two out of all the cars in the parking lot. It's theirs and my car. There was one that went through the engine, like, and hit the ground. There's one that that strafed the side. We got to keep the bullet out of our car. Which is cool. It was super cool. We're like, can we, and when you take the bullet out, can you give it to us? We're like, yeah, and they give us the bullet. It's pretty cool. Here's something interesting. Their car was leaking fluid. And we're all looking at it like, oh, I can only see this one bullet hole, but it's leaking and it's a Tesla. This is weird. Like what happens? Like maybe it hit a bad battery acid. I don't know. Like don't touch it. 
Okay, there's only one thing that holds fluid on a Tesla, and it's a windshield wiper fluid. And it's oh the one God. thing that got hit on the car. So, yeah. Dude, we um, did some research before we called you today to see what happened with that because we kind of just forgot about it. And so basically right across the street from the venue, there's another bar and two guys. Yeah, the other one. Yeah, yeah, two guys. Now it's called Donkey D's. It's actually a gay club. Donkey D's. Really cool. (laughs) And I don't think it's open yet. I think I just bought it. Sounds like I want to go there, though. No, but it's supposed to be really fun. Yeah. Donkey D? Donkey D's. Donkey D's. Wow. I. And partners in a bar uh, with uh, with with my uh, business partner, and he's straight as straight can be, but he always goes to their gay bar because it's so much fun. Like us so. LGBTQ people know how to have a really good time. Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> we know how to have a good time. I'll let you in. I'll you come as my dude. My guest. And the music is so much better. Speaking about uh, gay bars and stuff, uh, Kat and I actually just finished watching the third season of Dragula. Oh shit! Have you guys seen that show? I have not. I almost started binging the first season, and I knew I was going to get sucked into it. And I was like, I can't right now. I have to be productive. I can't sit and watch this. But it looks like a dream. It's like RuPaul's Drag Race, right? But they're all spooky. It's like super oh, spooky. Okay. We highly recommend it. We fucking finished two seasons in a like what a week or a couple of days. Uh, a week. I don't know, but it was fucking good. Yeah. It was super good. It was super cool. It's That's like, you know, thing. drag queens uh, dressing up like really horror inspired. And it had some like true crime elements with mm-hmm. some like ghost Ooh. story elements too. You know, Ouija board stuff. It was super dark and, you know, just uh, how would you call it? Um, just different from most of like the competition shows that we usually are used to. You know, like, oh, you're eliminated by. No, when they fucking eliminate you. They put on a whole little skit where they murder you. Yeah. So, oh, shit. That sounds amazing. Cool. Yeah, it's amazing. We highly recommend it. But yeah. Anyways, so today's <laughs> episode is going to be a little bit different because you guys don't have a, a personal scary encounter, but you fucking love true crime and anything true crime related, correct? Yeah. That makes us sound scary. Well, I have a personal encounter about... about I relate. I was actually in a school hostage shooting one time. Oh, okay, shit. I didn't think you wanted to talk about this. You know what, Mike? We're here to listen if you want to share. Mike saved the day and he got um, all the hostages out of the school shooting. Now you have to know the fucking... You now you have to. Halfway. Okay, I'm going to make... Talk to your therapist about it later. I'm going to make it super quick. One thing about this podcast is that it's not just like... You know, it's every kind of, uh, what is it, a scary experience encounter. or encounter. Yeah, And sorry. that's fucking scary. Tell us about it. Yeah, like that includes near-death experiences okay. or, mm-hmm. you know, so please so, share with us. Okay, when I was 14 years old, I went to Loera High School in Anaheim, California. And that's like where Gwen Stavani, Cobb Stavani were, like no doubt, generated from that high school, right? And they were all a little older than me, but uh, I was a freshman kid and... Um, we, uh, my friend, my really good friend that I'd known since like the third grade, uh, he was like a picked on kind of run guy. And I was always friends with everybody, you know, I tried to be friends with everybody. And, uh, so this kid, he basically found out that he was just making friends and just getting to high school where as a freshman in high school, it seemed to be like a really good equalizer where he, he's like, wow. The kids that used to make fun of us as eighth graders are now getting beat up on by seniors, so it's kind of great, you know, <laughs> that we're all kind of equal here. And 
there's a much bigger pool of kind of rejects and kids that spend their money on concerts and making mixtapes and buying, you know, back in the, we weren't called goss back then. We were, we were, we called, we were called death rockers. Okay. Oh, okay. But anyway, so. <laughs> Wait, what was it? Hey, uh, uh, you're a rocker? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you heard What's that up, rockers? What's up, rockers? <laughs> you're yeah, a rocker, hey, right? Rocker? Yeah. yeah. So we, we basically, we were the kids that listened to Morrissey and, you know, everything else and, and hung out. And uh, so, Anyway, this kid was, he was just getting accepted and his, his stepdad was saying like, who was a total dick. He was a gun nut, kind of the antithesis of, of my friend. And, uh, he was moving the family to Visalia. So basically the kid would have to start over, you know? And so his plan was he picked a drama class that I was in, um, because it, the building had no windows and only one door back to the auditorium, kind of a, kind of a classroom, mm-hmm. choir room. And he essentially, I lived across the street from the high school. So he went and broke into my house while I was at school, got all of his gear on under a trench coat, walked across the street and walked right into the classroom. Cause it's in the edge of the parking lot and took the class hostage. And basically dismissed the teacher, put a gun to his head, told him to leave. And we're, it's a drama class. So we're having a class about upstaging and what not to do on stage. Like don't sweep a broom while somebody's doing a monologue. It distracts and all this. So 90% of the kids thought it was fake. And, uh, and I knew it was very real because here's the one guy that I could see doing this, the quiet kid, you know, whatever. So he comes in and the teacher, bless his heart, was trying to get all the kids out and almost got shot himself. He ends up getting dismissed. And my friend, basically the, the, uh, the you know, the, the, the defendant, no, the, <laughs> the, offender, the shooter, the, the, the shooter, he basically kind of tells everybody, Hey, we're going to be here a while. Just relax. And he's talking to me. He's like, well, dude, my plan is I'm going to get my stepdad to fly down from Visalia. I'm going to trade all these people for him, and then I'm going to kill him. And so I was like, this is a bad idea, dude. Like, this isn't going to work. You know, trust me. I'm your friend of like seven or eight years at this point. This isn't going to work. And while I'm talking to him, this kid who turned out to be a cop's son picks up one of his he – he had a 12-gauge shotgun with him as well – and he picked up this shotgun. He said, this gun isn't even real. This is fake. This is all bullshit, whatever. And he calls uh, my friend, the shooter, uh, a pussy. And he's like, shoot me then, faggot. Shoot me, pussy, whatever he says to him. And so the movie Heathers had just come out, and he'd watch it. He's like, he did some like monologue thing. Heathers like, this guy is suicidal, and he wants to die. And he shot, he shot this kid in the face. And... It was about eight or 10 feet apart and at an angle because uh, he was on these risers and the kid was on the floor, but it hit him in the jaw. So he, I imagine he was aiming for his head, you know, and this thing, it, it was like a Kurosawa film. The blood just flowed from this guy's face and gone all over and he immediately left. And then we were in the class for about an hour more. And between the police negotiator and me, we were able to, talk him out of it and he ended up surrendering Uh, but he did shoot the kid in the face you're being too nice to yourself mike got all the girls released from the class 
So they the, negotiated for that. The girls were all screaming, and I was his only friend there. And there's a reason why he picked this class, obviously, that period when he knew I would be there. Uh, and I just told him, like, look, man, all, it's a drama class. There's 80% women in this class. So it was like, and they were hysterical, screaming. And so are the guys. I mean, that's to be fair. But I was like, why don't you just let them go? And then that way you still have, like, 15 guys, right? You still have a lot. And, and I'll be here with you. And he's like, okay, fine. He let them all go. And then the negotiator talked him out of the, of like the guys, you know, whatever. And then, yeah, he, uh, he ended up getting arrested and he went to, uh, a, uh, like a mental institution. And then when he was 18, he, he got out or 19, he got out. And funny side note, I had kind of, we had remained in contact as much as you can. Uh, being that young, but uh, by the time he got out, I was probably 19, and I was playing in ska bands, and I was in this band called My Superhero at the time, and we were playing shows with, you know, the biggies of that time, so like, Real Big Fish was like kind of a newer, hotter band, but like, you know, Voodoo Glow School, bands like that, and uh, we were coming home from a show, and I lived in the same condo that I lived in when he knew me, and uh, what's funny is my mom had moved, but all my bandmates, we basically rented the house. And so I had one guy we lived with was this big, like six foot tall, half Japanese wrestler guy. And as soon as we're unloading the gear in the garage, coming back from the gig, he comes out, he, his face is white. He goes, this weird, like Christian Slater kid was just out front and he was asking for you and you weren't here. And he said he would wait and I don't know where he is. And this guy walks up like from the garage area and it's my friend who had gotten out of jail. And to be honest, he was the sweetest kid, uh, the most misunderstood kid still. And, you know, I, he slept in my house that night and we had, we all had this really long conversation about, you know, him being in jail and all this other stuff. And then he got up in the morning and uh, before I woke up for work, uh, and he left, and I haven't seen him since. So that was, you know, maging myself, and that was over 20 years ago. So it's crazy. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. pretty heavy. Yeah, it's pretty heavy. I think it's so. uh, pretty amazing that you were there to kind of help him through the process, you know, or the situation in the classroom. And yeah. Just to hear that you helped negotiate for a bunch of girls to get out of the classroom. I, you, yeah. nev- you never know until you're in that situation, and... I, I can really tell that you really did your best to try to control it as much as possible and make sure that your friend was still okay. But man, the things that you saw that day, like I can't even imagine. No yeah, way. It's, you know, and, and to be honest, it's, it's pretty hard, you know, to, to think about now as a grown man and think about the 14 year old kids I know and how ill-equipped and how ill-equipped I probably was at that time. You know, I don't know, but, uh, you know, and, and so I'm a huge advocate for, um, gun laws and gun restrictions, there's no way a kid should have access to a 22 pistol, a 12 gauge shotgun and all the ammo he would need to hold police off. You know, I mean, give me a break. And I, I challenge anybody, anybody who loves guns, you ever seen what it does to a human face up close? I promise you, you're not going to be a fan of that. So I have a big, you know, guns are for absolute pussies and I'm on the record with that for life. Like yeah. if you're in the guns, you're a puss. I'm done. Like there's only there's only a select few people who even know what that what 
gun violence looks like up, up close, really up close. And the rest of them are just these weirdo zealots. It's like, stop, man. I mean, this, you have the power to take a life here. It's ridiculous. Yeah, you said you said his dad was a cop. That's probably how he had access to the guns, correct? So no, his dad wasn't a cop. uh, But his the kid who challenged him in the class, who said he was a pussy and the gun wasn't real, his dad was a cop. I see. And so this kid had full on knowledge of guns. Knew exact. I mean, if you pick up a twelve gauge shotgun, you could definitely feel that it's real by holding the weight of it. It's a heavy tool. You know, it's like here's this heavy gauge. It's in the name. It's a 12-gauge shotgun. It's a thick gauge. You know, you feel it. You know it's real by touching it. And so for him to not recognize that, it turned out that kid ended up having substance abuse problems, and he was kind of like a, a, you know, a white gangbanger kind of kid, which we get a lot of in Anaheim at the time. Um, So, you know, it's like that kid had his own path. You know, he had his own crosses that he was bearing for sure. So, but... Take anything away from it. Drugs are bad and guns are for pussy. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I, I think that should be a shirt. I'd be so down yeah. to wear that. Bite me Bambi. Bite me Bambi at the bottom. Yeah. Guns are bad. Drugs yeah. are or, Wait, no. Well, I can't. So I think everybody should smoke weed. Everybody should smoke okay, weed. Okay, everything but weed. Everything but weed is bad. <laughs> and, you know, guns are for pussy. I feel like we're very anti-gun and bite me Bambi. All of us have had a lot of gun experiences that were not good. Not just getting our car shot in a parking lot, right. but right. <laughs> we've all, a Sorry lot of us that. have had that. No, it's not your fault. Uh, so it's he- Greta and Robin. <laughs> That's his fault. Grow vision. You can tell, you can tell <laughs> my grow vision I said that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Talina, you have a story as well when it comes to guns? or No, it's not as dramatic as Mike's. Just, um, oh, about okay. seven months ago, my 18-year-old cousin took his own life with guns that were in the house. Oh, that had been bought for him when he was 14 years old on Christmas morning, and I was there when he opened the gun. Um, and I felt weird about it at the time, but everybody said, oh, it's fine. He knows what he's doing. He's got this training. But, I mean, people who have guns in the house are just so much more likely to commit suicide. And so um, it took nothing for him to go, you know, get the gun that was just sitting in his room. I mean, I had to take ammo out of his room after so my aunt went and find it. Like, so I think, and so to me, I'm with Mike, like there's no reason to have that in your house. And I guess I'm a little more liberal or I don't know. I understand why some people feel safer with them, but you're so much more likely to have an accident or a suicide, especially in these times of coronavirus and people feel isolated. So I tell everybody, reach out to your friends, reach out to your family. My cousin was somebody who never thought that he was depressed and he was just total living, shock. yeah, total, total shock. And he was just living this like lie and i i wish i had said something to him and so i just tell people like check on your family members sorry we're really bringing this time no 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 No, bring it down because this shit's real and people need to fucking hear it and we're really happy you're using this platform to talk about it because it's it's very important you know and yeah we're more than happy to help spread the message and you know the importance bring it down girl bring it down tell them yeah no it's i'm not kidding i just i i appreciate the opportunity because i think um it's kind of like a in plain sight disease, right? People's mental illness and depression, like it can be right in front of you and you don't even know it. And so I think it's important to just, just check on people and make sure they're okay, you know? Well, also in, in, in our time, and it's heartbreaking as that situation is, with social media being device, social media has no 
agenda other than it's going to give you more of what you like, right? To keep you glued to that, that thing for so long. So what if you're depressed? It's going to give you more of that, right? Mm-hmm. It pushes you towards that. And to have that, a kid spend, I don't know, I'm, I'm just, I don't know your cousin, I don't, but to have kids susceptible to spending six or six hours a day of screen time getting inundated with the same stuff that keeps them morose and then have access to guns where you have this, you know, it's a cliche, but it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, uh, forever solution to a temporary problem. Yeah. That's and, the main thing. Like just, if you're listening and you're struggling, like it's, it's a short term solution or a long term solution to a temporary problem. There's, there's people who love you and yeah. you're never alone. You truly are never alone. Yeah. When you're that young, especially, your whole your life is gonna get really fucking rad. It's gonna get so rad when you realize, like, oh shit, you know what? Everybody has pimples. Everybody has weird facial hair. Everybody has something, right? And Guilty. you will find your Wookies, man. You'll find people that are like your Wookies that that's your tribe, and these are your people that will love you no matter what. Everybody finds those people. Everybody does. It just you have to be in tune to it and be open to finding out it and to know that they're there, that they're going to be there. No, yeah, I completely agree. Um, that actually reminds me of a pretty depressing time in my life. I was in high school and I had three really close friends and they were my world, just like everybody else and their friends. You know, they're, that's their world in high school. Long story short, sophomore year, all three of my close friends moved and had to change schools. I felt so fucking alone. I was pretty depressed. Um, I was 15 and it was really hard for me to understand that it wouldn't always be like this. My parents were strict and for a really good reason, but I didn't realize that it was temporary and one day I'd have more freedom. But yeah, I was uh, going through a really lonely time in my life. And, you know, I like I said, I thought I was alone. And my brother noticed that I was uh, pretty depressed. And one weekend he asked me, hey, do you want to go to a Morrissey convention? And that made my day. I was so happy. I felt I was finally able to go out and, you know, be around my kind of people and the kind of music I love listening to. And I was there with my brother. You know, he was there all along and he saw that I was pretty upset. And he that little kind gesture that he did really lit up my world again. We had such a good time and we bonded like we hadn't in a while. But the main reason why my brother did this for me was because he wanted to remind me that I was still very young. I had a lot to look forward to. He took me out that day and he was like, hey, hang in there. That's so great. What a gift that is to have a guy reaching back, like, you know, to pull you out of that. I mean, what I would have given to have somebody like that, you know, seriously, like, you know, you're alone. You got to like kind of find your own way. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, that's a, that's a gift. So talking about murder. <laughs> nice segue, Mike. That's how you do that. That was great. Wow. Okay. So, so do you guys have a segment of where you talk about like, who's your favorite murderer or. <laughs> uh, well, well actually I, I wanted to ask, do you guys think that Carol Baskins killed her husband? Oh fuck. Absolutely. I do. Yeah. I absolutely do. Too easy. I did until I, I, I didn't until um, I I 
I basically I asked a guy who is a uh, animal trainer. I don't know if he I don't know if he worked with lions, but I asked him. I go, can big cats digest human bones? He's like, hell yes, they can. Their whole system is made to digest bones. They break them down, they digest them. I'm like, okay, she definitely did it then. Yeah, I he disappeared. No, I think I think they dismembered him and they threw him to the tigers or they threw him to the lions. So I guess or Carol, whatever. Yeah. I guess Carol said that she used a little, a smaller grinder. So like, to fit an entire human body through that would like take forever. So she's like, yeah. no. I don't think she did that. I think yeah. she was thrown to the lions. I mean, yeah. classic missing person right car at the airport. He's a pilot. Oh, but he didn't ask to go. Oh, all of his shits in the car. Yeah. Like what? He went international flying and he left money in his car and all this other shit. Give me a break, dude. That's well. Come on, you got to stage it a little better. Well, apparently, <laughs> okay. So apparently, he had a bunch of different planes and like what 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 are those called? Like the smaller planes, they can just like a two private the Cessnas yeah. and biplanes and stuff. Yeah. So I guess there's a way where you can go under the radar and not be detected. Long way to go under the radar across the the you know uh, across the Gulf of Mexico. I mean, to how Nicaragua. Ba- how bad do you want to get Make away from sure. your wife? Hmm. I guess. I'm just saying, the guy seemed to be kind of flamboyant, and he would have made waves in Nicaragua. That's what I said. He's got to wash the money. Like, let's be real. Yep. And, and, also, yeah, there's always a paper trail. I mean, and that's how they got Capone. I mean, but seriously, there's always a paper trail. Also, okay, if it's wintertime in the United States, yeah, there's a lot of drunk people, uh, drunk white guys in Nicaragua, but when it's the slow season and you still got a drunk guy throwing money around loud guy. Cause he was a loud dude. People are going to notice him. He's not going to just all of a sudden live under the radar. Give me a break. He knows he's, going to the club. he's going somewhere for that guys. Look, that's the thing about, about people in general is they're social and you don't take a guy like that. Who's a social being who all of a sudden now he's going to live as a hermit. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Sorry, dude. No way. Yeah. No way. Mm-hmm. So there's, anyway, but that's, so there's no way that's they right. could find anything, not even like in like the poop. You know what I mean? Like, well, any but we're talking of, years later, yeah, right? Years like later. Yeah, years you're later. Right, you're right. That poop was. So stupid. I mean, those, those tigers are probably already killed. You're so right. Yeah, I didn't even think right? about that. Mm-hmm. And fed to the elephant. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but I'm just saying, the guy didn't disappear. Maybe he fell in a well, or maybe he had a heart attack and fell in a well. Hard to disappear. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so I, I <laughs> don't. I, I I think he's dead. There's your answer. Yeah, I love it. That was keep it coming. Awesome. Okay, so what's like the most disturbing true true crime case you guys have heard of? Like your your favorite, oh, most interesting. You know what I mean? The like, one that gives you nightmares. Yeah. yeah. The one you think about at night and can't sleep. You want to go first? Mike's got one. I got one. I got one that's kind of pertinent because of where we live. Okay. Uh, but the most prolific serial killer and scary because nobody suspected him and nobody even really knows about him. And his name is, Kraft. oh, Randy Kraft. I'm doing Randy Kraft. <laughs> there's a book called Angel of Darkness and buy it and re- or get it and read it. Randy Kraft, the most prolific serial killer Nobody knows about him because he only preyed upon gay men. And this is what, the 70s, 80s? 70s and minute. 80s. Wait a minute. All in Orange County and Long Beach and San Diego. Angel of what? Death? 
what? Angel of Darkness. Darkness. Didn't we just hear they about they estimate they estimated over a hundred people that he killed, but because they're gay men and the way the times were, there's a lot of families who, oh my son is missing and he's a vagabond he's living his life like they don't that aren't admitting that they're gone or or they're just disappeared, but. Here's how the guy got caught, and this will make you guys want to know more about him. He's on the 5 Freeway in El Toro, and this is in the early 80s, so that was like rolling hills and just a couple of little neighborhoods back then. A highway patrolman pulls him over because he's swerving. So they go and get him out of the car, do a sobriety check, right? The guy is falling all over the place. The guy's like, look, dude, you're going to jail. And he puts him in the, cuffs him up, puts him back to the car. And he says, is your friend in the passenger seat? Is he, uh, is he, if we wake him up, can he drive? Oh yeah, he should be fine to drive. And so the cop goes, all right. So he goes over to wake the guy up. He goes over, finds out the guy's got a garage, like a wire around his neck in the front seat. And he's like a very faint pulse. He's already been strangled and he's sitting in the front seat of the car. And so they had to call the paramedics out, all this stuff. The guy dies on the scene. And so now this guy's going to jail, right? So anyway, they take the car, impound it. It goes to Santa Ana. The next day, the uh, investigator for uh, you know, the, the sheriff's department goes out to check the car for prints or whatever. He opens the trunk. There's a body in the trunk. Oh, shit. The guy killed two dudes in one night. And then they're reaching through the, 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 the trunk. And they come across this manila envelope, and there's all these Polaroids of dudes, young guys, just either sleeping or dead, like a hundred, over 100 of them. And so they identified like 60 of them as murder victims. But, yeah, they, they spent uh, – the Orange County and the state of California spent like $5 million uh, prosecuting this guy, and it took like two years because he fought him every step of the way. But the interesting part, other than all that, is the guy was a computer programmer, total dork, and he lived with a man in Belmont Shore, uh, and you know lived had, had a gay lifestyle. But his his uh, partner knew nothing about it, and his partner was a baker. He'd get up at like two thirty in the morning to go to work, and knew nothing about it. It's insane. It's totally insane. They had this big box of memorabilia that he kept. Um, that he kept from all the murders, belt buckles and lighters and earrings or whatever it was. And the, uh, the partner just thought that, oh, these are shit that people have left here over the years when we throw parties. He was totally oblivious to everything. Or he was a really good liar, but it was, it's insane. But it's crazy. The guy takes a trip on business to Michigan. All of a sudden, there's five dead bodies in Michigan. Takes a trip to Utah. Four dead bodies in Utah. He was one of the most prolific killers out there. And because of the demographics, nobody really recognizes him as that. So it's insane. But when you read the book, it's crazy because it's like, oh, yeah, he dumped the body on the transition of the 22 and 405 freeway right in the green belt, right by Cal State Fullerton or Cal State Long Beach. Like, shit, dude, I've driven by that a thousand times. Or he dropped a body on Beach Boulevard and Catella. Dude, I've been there I don't know how many times, you know, like. It's insane to so read the book. It's really, it's really cool. Pretty thick too. It's written by an old Orange County uh, Register uh, writer. So really good book. But wow. he's writing because he's a monster. 
and he went to work every day. He never missed a day of work. Like, and just plugged away at the cubicle, went home, made dinner for his boyfriend, killed at night. I don't know when he slept. It's like a functioning uh, serial killer, you know, just like. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, but anyway. Shit. That's my guy. That's my guy. (laughs) I would have to say that for me, one of the most interesting and disturbing cases would probably have to be Edmund Kemper's story. So Ed Kemper. Oh, shit. I thought Ed Kemper was such a fucking mind trip. (laughs) But yeah, Uh, he was known as the COVID killer in the 1970s. He would do most of his murders in Burbank, which I always get the chills anytime we go visit Kat's family because they stay up in Fresno. So you have to pass Burbank in order to get to Fresno. And it's like a three hour drive and we're passing by there and it's super dark. And I don't know. I just start thinking about all those different murders that happen in that area. And just whenever we go, always gives me the, the creeps. And the Mindhunter show is mm-hmm. all really about him. Mm-hmm. And he high was and, uh, high IQ, right? high IQ, but he was the guy, he was kind of like the modern day Hannibal Lecter where they'd go to him and say, what's this guy thinking? What's, what son of Sam thinking? Mm-hmm. What you know? What are all these? Which yeah. is crazy that they really did that. I always thought that was like made up. Like there's no super villain. No, that's how they created the the, the profile. Science. Yeah, I yeah, mean, no, that makes a lot of sense too. No, yeah, he was actually in an insane asylum for quite some time, and because of good behavior, he was let out. Hmm. Everybody thought that he was normal. He just once he got back into yeah, the world, he and that's right. He he killed his grandparents. Just because he was bored and wanted to know what it felt like. Well, he didn't like his grandmother. His grandmother was was very similar to his mother. So he he hated his grandmother just because she was so similar to his mother. And then I guess he had murdered her. He he had been planning it out. And um, when when he ended up killing her, um, he saw that his grandpa was driving up. So he's like, okay, well, I don't want him to live like this. So let me put him out of his misery, you know, Mm -hmm. so killed his grandpa. And um, yeah, so from that, he called the cops on himself for the first time, I would, I I think. They ended up arresting him and then he went to an insane asylum. He was there for a couple of years and he, like you guys said, high IQ. And um, dude, he was six, nine. That's a tall. Yeah, he's a big dude. That's a tall mother. So that's like five of me. Yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty short. A big dude and broad, not lanky at all. Like a big, big Mm -hmm. dude. Can you imagine trying to get away from a guy? That's Mm-mm. as big as that. I mean, I'm six four and about that size, but I can't imagine a guy who's six nine can manhandle me. Yeah, like you know what I mean. Like you think about that. Yeah. Like, are you, are you trying to tell I'm us that about guy. one of your fantasies? Yeah, seriously. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want Kemper. Yeah. Do me Kemper style, baby. I want to feel the mustache <laughs> on my neck. Oh, <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> but seriously, I, I'm that guy where I'm used to being the biggest person in the room. Where if there's another guy who's bigger than me in the room, I'm like, I don't want to be here. I'll just leave. <laughs> this party's lame. I'm out. I'm the opposite. If there's somebody shorter than me, I'm like, I'm the queen of this party, bitch. I was, oh it's, God, tod- it's toddlers. Yeah, I know. I know. How about you, Talina? What's yours? No, I think, uh, the I wouldn't say my favorite, but the one that's really got me the most is the Delphi murders. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Abby and Libby in Delphi, Indiana. Uh, they went for a hike. It was a teacher work day at school or a snow day makeup day. They went for a hike in these local woods. They're, I believe they were like 13 years old. And um, they were attacked by a man. And one of them, I think it was Abby. But Had I'm a not snapshot sure. open. She, right? 
was a true crime fan and had the sort of wherewithal to start recording because she felt uncomfortable. And so they have, in theory, what most people think is they actually have the murder on tape. They have video of the man who committed the murder and they have pictures of him and they have recording of his voice. They've released the video of him walking, you see it online, and he says, dive down the hill. They report this audio clip. Yeah. And they still haven't found this guy. And I just, I think maybe because I feel for them because, they, you know, they true crime fans and she felt uncomfortable and she was like, this is important. I have to document this. I want people to know I was here and this happened to me. I just feel like justice needs to be served on this guy because, like, We've all the clues and they're not being put together. And I feel like that, that really gets me. And I think about them often. And that's the one that just really hit me. And I just want it to be solved. So if anybody out there listening, yeah. look at the video. Also a great podcast, that Delphi podcast. The Delphi really podcast is really good. The Murder Squad did an episode on it. And it's just, I don't know, just to think of who I was at 13 and have your life taken when you're still young and to have the wherewithal right to take a picture of this person like we owe it to them what what kind of a time do we live in where it's like oh i better start recording like you know yeah. like okay so not to be like in my day but like <laughs> recording a device like having a recording device with you you wouldn't have that That's you wouldn't have saying, anything like, we should be able to find their killer and and the police did this strange thing where they had one sketch and then they released the second sketch and the second sketch was different than the first sketch. Yeah, right. Both sketches are important and they're two different people and they have the car. There's a car they're looking for. And I just think, like, all the pieces are there. And then interestingly enough, the last time the police spoke, they spoke as if the killer was in the press conference. Like, we know who you are. We're coming for you. They think they live or have lived in the Delphi, Indiana area. Like, it's a small town. They're all right there. So I, I feel like it's solvable, and we owe it to the girlfriend. Where they were killed also is at the, like, Gorge Reservoir area, where you kind of... High Bridge. Monon High Bridge, where you have to know the area. You have to know where you're going. It wouldn't be a stranger, you know, that was... Un, I could... You, we all couldn't just go there and be like, oh, we'd have to be on Google Maps, and then when that failed, you know, get somebody to well, point us in the right direction. Well, kind of caught them on the bridge is in, like that you can kind of either most people crawl across the bridge or if you're more comfortable you can walk but he was following them and so it's like he kind of had them sort of, he kind of knew like yeah. oh it's hard for them to get across this is a difficult area right. it will dead end after we cross this bridge you have to turn around and but so, where are the bodies like you know I don't know the bodies they had the bodies oh yes that's right yeah, yeah they had the bodies he, yeah. he left the bodies and then actually one of the girls sisters was part of the group searching and they found them. Right. Yeah. and then I guess I heard I don't know if it's true I don't like to spread rumors but I guess one of them had a scarf on at the funeral they haven't released the murder and they said there's signatures on the murder but there's a theory that they were there was strength manual strangulation hmm. but I guess there's signatures they claim at the crime scene and, and it might link to other times I don't know I find it hard to believe that he would defend like that and two Two people, two victims. Very two rare. victims, really hard. How do you do two? Two. So, and uh, the sister had a theory that the one wouldn't leave the other, and that's really how he ended up with two. So the other one had a chance possibly to escape, but would not leave the other one. Mm. That's the sister's theory. I don't know. Just FYI, if anybody tries to rape you or I together, <laughs> just run. Okay, and I'll run too. I'm leaving you in yes. death, my bro. Yes, I will leave you too, yeah. and then we'll but just run. That's 
No, I, I feel like you can solve abdominal cancer. It's solvable. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, we always say, like, to our friends, if something ever happens to you, we won't fucking stop looking for you. We're going to fucking become, like, crazy true crime, like, bloggers and fucking find you. We won't give up. We always tell our friends that, huh? Yeah, and it's actually, <laughs> um, you know, well, I wouldn't say funny, but I will randomly quiz Kat. Oh, yeah. What do you do when, you know, let's say if somebody were to throw you in their trunk, what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? I don't remember. Girl, you pull on the thing, punch out the light. Leave a, your hand thank up. you. No, but yes. Oh, that is what I said. Yeah. You, you caught me. You got me all nervous right now. That's why. <laughs> Fuck. What are the normal questions? Okay. So let's say somebody grabs you from behind. Yes. Right? With your arms down. Well, someone way bigger. So Ed Kemper. What if he grabs <laughs> you from behind with he your grabs- arms uh, down? With my arms down, yes. I would throw my head back mm-hmm. and I would I would also stomp a foot or, or uh, yeah, throw my head back, stomp a foot, and then if I could get the nuts with my back heel, mm-hmm. yep. I'd go for the nuts because, you know, I'm a man. That's every Achilles heel. He hits, yeah. Hit him with the heel, the nuts. That's what I do. I but, just find it interesting that you're interested in true crime as a male. I, there are men who are into it, but I just find it interesting because I think for me, a lot of it is like, oh, I've heard this story and I, I learned that that life like it can't happen to me, which is totally like false. Like it could totally happen to anybody. My my issue with it is is more a technology thing because we know it still happens and everybody has a mobile broadcasting device. Like you could broadcast to thousands of people at a time in the middle of nowhere from your pocket. You know what I mean? Like how much does that keep killers at bay? Like how much of this shit was going on before it was recorded? Like I would think I'm the worst guy to have on a supernatural podcast because I don't believe in it. I've never been haunted that I couldn't explain away, and I've never seen aliens. I know, but it, but I'm on for the murder piece. But the the supernatural piece. I hope you get haunted was, tonight. <laughs> okay, we'll see. Hey, bring it, bring it. Give me a give me some kind of weird ghost. And what do they do? The hauntings. They scratch people or they move an item in the house. It's like. Bro, you're in the afterlife. Do something rad. Like, do something rad. Well, see, that's like a regular ghost, you know, or somebody that had just passed away. I think you want to see something from, like, a demonic oh. perspective. Okay, you know, like, great. Yeah. All right, fine. But my, my whole thing with aliens, too, is very similar to this. In the 60s, 70s, you had these people that get abducted, right? And it's a big story, and nobody believes them, right? My whole issue with aliens is that if they were so rampant, we all have video devices. Like it used to be in the 70s, 80s, nobody had a video camera with them. Now we all do. Shouldn't there be thousands of these things like every day? Like wouldn't you have these rad alien sightings every day? But to your point, so I just finished Billy Denson's book, Chase Darkness with me. And he's a true crime reporter who started solving murders. He actually helped write, um, what is it? Uh, I'll Be Gone gone Dark. dark. He helped finish after Michelle Passerick. That's the book right. is great, but yeah. he talks about like in this day and age with DNA, familial DNA, and basically cameras everywhere. Everywhere, every murder is solvable. And Billy Jensen has put all this time and his own money into like running targeted Facebook ads and his whole strategy, and he solved crimes. And he's saying we could all be doing this. Police could be doing this. And it's sort of interesting that you're saying that, right? Like everything is caught on camera these yeah. days. Yeah, so yeah. So you but... can you can catch the bad guy. 
at the same time, not all CCTV footage captures everything. I mean, you can have a camera at a certain location, but just because you have a camera there doesn't mean you're going to capture it just because, like, it depends on the quality of the camera. Uh, this is true. But yeah. something he had thought in his book that I had not thought about was you're not even so much trying to identify the person in this grainy video or you see them walk across. When you're running, he runs targeted Facebook ads. And his point is, like, I'm not even looking for, like, can you identify this person? It's more... Hey, did you live in this area? Did you hear something weird? Did somebody talk about this? And there are a lot of dead ends. You were in this area at 930 at night when we know the killer was there. What did you see? Yes. If not, where did you go? Like, whatever. And that's my point is, like, if, if we have this technology now, and it's still difficult, how many people were just getting away with scandalous shit? But everybody was probably sloppy in the seventies. Oh, totally! Sure. It's just you ran it. You ran it. You get you get murdered by a hobo drifter. You know what I mean? It's like, and you know. GSK. Yeah. I mean, I don't think GSK was like fucking sadistic. I think he was a little Yeah, he got away yeah. with a lot of it because I mean, technology wasn't as tight as it was. I mean, as it is now for so long. Wait, and then technology got him in the end. Well, great. and then right. like or, or grim grim sleeper where. You're you're taken in front of an underserved community, right? Where you're in Compton and you're uh, in Southgate. You're in these underserved areas to where, oh well, people, you know, people of color disappear all the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which is like, wow, okay, so that's an excuse. That's an excuse. But that's so, the same yeah. thing with craft, right? Of like prey on gay men. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like gay men can disappear from their families, drop off because their families disown them. You never know that they were gone. It's yeah, so when you think about Eileen Warnos, for example, she killed white men, and we all know her name. Her name is on the top of the list, straight white men, and she only killed like six of them. And there's a movie about her, and they won, a, won an Oscar and all this shit. I look at her story, and I'm like, all right, so it's a prostitute that just didn't, sex worker, sex worker sorry, that <laughs> just didn't want to take it anymore and got pushed too far. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm taking mine now. I could totally get that. I mean, I don't even consider you a serial killer. I just consider you somebody who's like, you know what? Fuck it. It's your turn. It's your turn now. Well, Kat, you haven't gone. What's yours? What's your um, serial killer? One that I heard that was really disturbing for me was Albert Fish. How he killed and ate little kids. Have you guys heard about that Ooh. one? Dude, he's there... He's not the toy bus. What was that? He's not the toy bus killer, right? No, no. No, he would like stick needles in his penis and like... Oh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and he, like, and just quotes I've seen that he's he said, like, oh, I love, like, the little boys, they're tastier and shit like that. And, I like, think it, it was just, little girls. Was it little girls? Yeah. I don't know, but that shit, like, got me, like, I was, like, dude, yeah, it was, like, like, how long ago, though? They're behinds, you know, like, yeah, would roast them, like, straight-up cannibalism shit. Yeah, I would cook them, and certain parts of their body taste better than mm-hmm. others, and... It was just a trip. Super weird. I go on record as not liking kids. I don't. I don't like kids. (laughs) Hearing that, like, that inspires a part of me that's like, we just need, we just need a group of vigilantes to like, just, we take care of these pieces of shit, like immediately in a slow, public, grotesque way. So so that it's um, like, if uh, you have this gene, you know, beware. Dexter 2020. (laughs) Seriously. But more, way more public. And way more like on display where it's like, oh, you know what? The boogeyman is going to get you. Like if you keep up with this shit, the boogeyman, boogeyman is going to get you. I'm just saying. 
I'm just saying. I think we just found our side project aside from a yeah. hazy chaos and bite me Bambi. Yeah. We're going to be vigilantes. Yeah. Just the four of us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the new podcast. Job new podcast yeah. appearing October of 2020. The boogeyman is going to get you. <laughs> beware. Beware. Just threatening people. Yeah, just threatening. My neighbor, I know what you did. It starts with the mail. Stealing the, the junk mail, it ends up with you dead, pal. <laughs> Hell yeah. I think I saw that episode on Fear Thy Neighbor. Oh, shit. Yeah, exactly. I would like to say Bunny Bandy does not condone crime of any kind. We don't. Not condone crime. You know, just upstairs, just thinking about it. <laughs> when you're talking about like tasty, you know, children's parts, like, it's like, my side I put I put children's pinkies in a po' boy. I love oh, it. It's delicious. Okay. <laughs> what was what was that other one we heard? It was on a sword and scale when they caught him in the chat oh, room, yeah. like That's dark hard. web chat. Uh, what was his name? I I, he was like a puppeteer for a Christian church or something like oh, that. Oh, that was disgusting. That one was fu- like a Catholic church. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> we literally we saw a commercial if you've been sexually assaulted by someone in the catholic church call us and we'll fight for you or something you we have were, a case and, you, and we yeah class action show. yeah we were like what did we just hear that what the and this commercial's on Don't even a lot of the times started. well it's, that's a pandemic i was raised catholic and that's an absolute pandemic that is a so that, that is a that in every community they're they're what is the documentary Oh, it's the called death, The Keepers. The Keepers at the death school? No, I'm thinking about the one at the death school where they had all these deaf students who were molested yes, yes, by a Catholic yes. priest. And then because at the time, because of deaf education, the deaf students could not read. And then the nuns came by and had them sign away yes. saying they had no right to sue the Catholic Church. Right, right. Fucking despicable. Horrible. Same thing with the, we just watched, uh, for the first time the other day, we watched uh, uh, the show about the Boston Globe, The Post. No, oh, that's a, uh, no. What's it called? I know which one. The, it's what's about, it? They find the, the priests who are molesting kids. Yes. And they basically, you find the un, the unveiling of it. And this is in the 90s. So it's not like it was 100 years ago. It's, it, you know, they talk about how, oh, well, through this model, this guy predicts that there's, about 100 priests in the Boston area who have molested kids. 100 priests in the Boston area. That is an epidemic. Is like, it a that Spanish documentary? Stop. Like, do you have to read subtitles? No, no, no. no. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh, it's not a documentary. It's actually a movie. Uh, but it's based on a true story. But it's based on, it's a yeah, true story. Is it the post or is the post about the Pentagon Papers? I think it might be the Pentagon no. Papers. There's no, it's, the paper. Is it called the paper? No, it's not called the paper. No, what's it called? Hang on. Shit, I don't know. Anyway, but but it's got Michael Keaton in it. It's really really good. Yeah. It's and I love watch Batman. it tonight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's my favorite Batman too. Mm-hmm. But it, uh, it, I think it's on Netflix uh, right now, and I'm sure you can turn on Spanish subtitles. I'm sorry, what's it called? Again? We can't exactly. remember. Exactly, that's okay. right. We can't. It's like the post <laughs> or the. The post is about Pentagon Papers. The other one about. If only there was a magic was device. device in which you could find out everything. <laughs> yeah. Just put Michael Keaton Catholic molestation, and oh, either you're going to be oddly surprised, or you'll find this movie. <laughs> shit. <laughs> Mr. Mom? Jessica Jesus Christ. Uh, Mark Ruffalo's in it. Oh, wow. Not Jessica Chastain. The Globe. The Globe. The Globe. It's about Boston Globe. 
man. Oh shit. Well, have you guys gotten your fill of murder of murder talk? Never. Never, Never. but no, oh, I don't you know, know what? Shit. I wanted to talk to you guys about your um the ska against racism that you guys got on the dude. So we got it, we bought it, we the fucking vinyl sold out, which is a bummer, but we got the digital copy. Super amazing. Congratulations. There's some pretty big names on there. Yeah, we were really stoked to be asked to be on that. That's uh I'm old enough to remember the first one, the first and it played on the first tour when that came out in the nineties. And it was really special to be a part of that. But to be this one, it's almost a little sweeter because the time that we're in, uh, the condition with our politics and the division that's in our society, I think it's really cool to be asked. And it's great to be on that comp with that many bands. It's, I mean, we're just blessed to be on it. I don't know. To be honest, I don't know why they asked us, but I'm glad they did. Yeah, it's so cool to bring the scene together. So it's like to return to that and kind of, I, I really respect Mike Park. A, Mike Park, and if you've listened to my podcast, I always talk about Mike Park having a really good ear. He just, whether it's a punk band, ska band, reggae band, whatever it is, uh, hip-hop act, whatever it is, he finds the best. His ear is really refined in that way. But for him to realize in the 90s that this music is getting too wacky and too fun. Like, we have to really focus on what this what this movement is about and to bring that back right now i think is awesome hey you can't play scott and not understand that you're playing like black jamaican music like that's right. where it comes from it has such a deep rich culture in bringing people together in racism colonialism mm-hmm. and there's a bunch of like idiotic white kids from Orange County like you have to pay tribute to those people who came before you you have to acknowledge their struggle you have to acknowledge what their songs are about it's important and and to have that unity especially like Mike said in today's climate it's important to acknowledge that and um, stand in solidarity with black Americans during this really difficult time absolutely absolutely we're proud to be on it so we're proud of you yeah very proud of you yeah (laughs) They raised over $50,000. That's pretty awesome. Wow. Yeah. Dude, that's just so amazing. <laughs> I didn't want to end this episode without congratulating you guys on that. We're just so proud to have friends in the industry that aren't afraid to speak up about what they believe in, you know? And you guys use your platform not only to spread good vibes with your music, but to promote unity in the community. And with everything going on in the world, this is what people need to hear. We're just trying to educate ourselves. We're trying to do better. We're trying to realize that, you know, we're part of this, you know, systemic racism and it exists. And we're just trying to do better, educate ourselves, you know, what little platform we have, we're just trying to, to get the word out and amplify other voices and, you know. And we really we're really uh, we kinda have a catchphrase we uh, but uh, our catchphrase is love who you want and it really it's it's love everybody, right? Because that's really what it's about. It, it, whether it's different races, special needs, all sex, sexual orientation, love who you want and love all the time. And and really, where would the world be if we all did that? All kidding aside about vigilante murdering people, uh, you know, because we all have that side too. But I think realistically, a little bit of kindness goes along long way no yeah we totally agree and um thank you both for sharing your thoughts and perspectives with us today it really means a lot to have you on an episode and again 
thank you for joining us and we hope to work with you again sometime soon thanks for having us it was great We want to thank you for tuning in to our recent Scary Encounter with Hazy Chaos. We hope you enjoyed it. If you are not an artist or musician but would like to share a scary encounter you've experienced, please contact us via email at hazy.chaos at yahoo.com for a chance to be featured on one of our close-to-home episodes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe.